the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 930 AM, The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP, The Answer, 930. Folks, we've got an uh, interesting uh, show, as usual, and um, we've got uh, two items that we want to chat about, in particular, uh, the usual update on immigration news that we want to we give you. Uh, lots, ha- lots happening on that front, and lots of, a lot of emotion going on about that. The second thing that we want to chat about is uh, this uh, report that came out last week. Uh, from the Texas Attorney General or the Texas State of Secretary's Office, or should I say, regarding the number of uh, of non-citizen voters or non-citizens that have been registered to vote and probably have voted, and uh, how uh, the reaction is now from the left, from the Democrats, particularly from an organization called LULAC, the League of United Latin American Citizens uh, in Texas, how they are reacting to that um uh, to that uh, investigation, to that finding. So uh, let's start with some quick news because, um, you know, uh, it, this this particular not, uh, bit, bit of information or bit of news that came out um, uh, last Monday, the 28th, uh, is particularly sad because um, it comes on the heels of two Democrat uh, folks, two Democrat candidates that have announced that they're going to run for president. And uh, in both cases, both Kamala Harris as well as uh, Julian Castro uh, made comments uh, portraying the police officers as uh, as bullies, as the bad guys. Well, on Monday, the, 20, the uh, 28th, here in Texas, in San Antonio, um, uh, we had the latest incident of what we might call the war on police officers. Five police officers in Houston were shot and injured uh, during a drug raid on Monday afternoon here in Houston or over in Houston. The shooting occurred around 5 p.m. Houston time when narcotics officers were, ser- were uh, serving a search warrant uh, following a tip from the neighborhood uh, about possible drug sales that were going on there in the in, 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 at that house. Uh, as the officers came uh, came up to the door, uh, they came under fire from sat- semi-automatic weapons, and um, four of them were were shot, and another was uh, injured as he tried to duck uh, from the fire. The attack on the police officers follows, uh, you know, this attack on the police officers follows an incident that occurred back on the 20th of January in Mobile, Alabama, where uh, a, a trooper, an officer there, was killed during an investigation. It also, uh, it also uh, earlier in the month, three officers were killed um, in uh, in in a uh, in southern cities, uh, as well as a third in uh, in California. Uh, it, it's amazing, my friend. The the toll so far, the death toll for officers so far in 2019, and we're talking right now, the uh, second day in February here on Saturday, February second. Uh, the death toll in uh, in in January of uh, police officers was seven killed in the line of fi- in, in the line of duty. You know that statistic um, that statistic compares with with uh, what happened in 2018. According to the Boston Herald, they reported that 144 officers were killed in the line of duty in 2018. 144. 
the leading cause of those deaths were was investigations during uh, or shootings, rather, during the investigations. That means that they literally were either in the process of investigating, stopping a car, walking up to it to a door or something. They were in the process of an investigation when they were shot. Uh, you know, what's what's shameless in this whole situation is how the Democrat uh, politicians use you know the uh, the the uh, minority victim card to excuse and, and justify and even anger, raise anger and hatred against the police. Uh, the California uh, California Senator uh, Democrat Senator Kamala Harris and former uh, San Antonio Mayor Julian Castro both praised anti police groups and characterized the law enforcement guys as the villains uh, during their presidential announcements. I mean that that that's that, that's that's un- uh, unthinkable in my book. Liberal media, the liberal media, of course, also fans of the flames against uh, the police by portraying them as racist bullies. Uh, It's only January, my friends. It's only the end of January. And 2016 is 2019, rather, is already starting to look like the most violent year on record for police officers in the line of duty. You know, I'll leave you with this thought. I'll leave you on this uh, on this topic with this thought. When police officers the most visible symbols of law and order, when they are disrupted, disrespected and attacked, then society is in real deep trouble, my friends. Then society is in real, real deep trouble. All right, moving to to our other uh, item uh, of news here at the top of the hour. Um, uh, Some more, there was some more liberal media uh, bias was exposed uh, this past week. Uh, on the 29th, uh, on January 29th, it was it was uh, uh, it, it was announced, or it was uh, a story ran uh, regarding a Washington Post national political correspondent, Dave Weigel, who apparently referred to all of the uh, Trump supporters <laughs> as rubes, uh, used that term when uh, while he was appearing on a uh, podcast. Uh, on Monday, I mean, you know, the disrespect by these elitists, by these arrogant midstream, mainstream uh, media news members, news members, no doubt, no, no less, uh, towards Trump supporters and tra- towards the, the grassroots is really, 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 really sad. Uh, a spokesperson for the Washington Post immediately uh, made the comment that uh, that the issue was uh, the situation was being handled internally, whatever that means. And they went on to say that, say that, uh, that we, uh, we do not think that our reporters should be using derogatory terms in cor- characterizing anyone. No kidding. <laughs> no kidding. You know, I, I have got to ask, I've got to ask, how can the news reporters, how can news reporters uh, have such disdain towards l- uh, such a large segment of voters and still be fair and objective? How? I, I don't understand that. The news, uh, you know, I mean, news is Mr. Weigel's vocation. And if you can't respect other uh, political opinions, if you can't report on other po- political opinions and citizens uh, in a uh, fair and balanced wa- manner, then, you know, he should be removed. He should absolutely be removed. Unfortunately, the liberal news bias uh, is found not only in, in this new, news bias is found not only on the national level, by the national media, but it's also on the lo- state and local level, level uh, also on the sto- state and local level. Uh, news publications like uh, the Houston Chronicle and the San Antonio Express here in, San- here in Texas, you know, have reporters and editors that, uh, that don't respect conservatives and their opinions. They just don't. And when they write their stories, they write them accordingly. Liberal bias is, a, is alive and free, my, my friends. If truth is going to make us free, well, the opposite is true, that liberal news is trying to make, trying to enslave the citizens and the voters. Uh, okay, moving on. All right, now let's, uh, let's, let's go to, um, to uh, another interesting story. This one's a little bit more lengthy, uh, but uh, I want you to bear with me because this one, this one has to do with, the, with last week. We reported last week, remember, that um, David Whitley, the Texas State uh, Secretary of State, uh, that he, uh, David Whitley is in charge as Texas uh, Secretary of State. He is in charge of, uh, of the voting. He is in charge of, uh, of, voter, of uh, voter verification and all that good stuff as far as elections. 
And uh, he found in a year-long evaluation last week, it was reported that he found 95,000 people described as non-citizens who were registered to vote in, in Texas. And of that number, he estimated or they, they, they found that about 58,000 of those, of that 95,000, 58,000 of them uh, had voted in, in elections between 1996 and 2018. You know, and uh, again, my friends, it, it, it showed it showed a real crisis, not only in voter fraud, in voter integrity, but it shows a problem with the border. We've got uh, non-citizens coming in and voting when they shouldn't be. Uh, we talked about Enrique Salazar Ortiz here in San Antonio uh, in the, the uh, Bear County area that, um, you know, he was sentenced last week. Uh, because he'd had used and stolen ID to vote. And uh, he had been voting since 2016. He'd been voting uh, in the uh, in, in local elections. And um, he uh, it was also discovered that the false that the ID that they had been using that he had been using had apparently been used either by him or somebody else since 1994. You know, uh, uh, it, it, that was that was a fact. That was a fact. It was also shown. It was also shown that, um, you know, uh, from a story that ran in The Washington Times uh, back in October of 2018, that uh, there had been efforts by the Texas Democratic Party to mail out voter registration forms with the box, with the little check box of citizenship that had already had been checked in. Yes. In other words, these uh, voter registration forms were pre-filled, were pre-filled, and uh, they had been checked off with yes. So they were going to non-citizens to register them to vote. So we had that, okay? Well, in, in, in the latest situation this past week, um, LULAC, the League of United Latin American Citizens, which is a, uh, a, a large, a large, and uh, it used to be, it claimed to have been at one time the largest Latin American uh, or Spanish American or Hispanic, whichever way you want to call them, um, the largest ethnic organization in the, sta- in the, in the nation. Um, it was comparable to the, uh, at one time it was comparable to the NAACP uh, for the black community. Well, <clears throat> LULAC has challenged this, uh, these findings uh, by uh, Texas State Secretary David Whitley, and uh, they have filed a lawsuit against Whitley and the Attorney General Ken Paxton, uh, claiming that, um, that uh, this is voter suppression and this is a scare tactic uh, against Hispanics. Rather than seeking voter integrity and cleaning up the voter rolls, LULAC and, uh, and, and, and the Democratic Party, because they're right there along with them, uh, want to prevent efforts from addressing and stopping voter fraud. And, uh, you know, typical, the minute that, uh, that, that uh, they can't argue logic or they can't, uh, you know, use uh, data, uh, they fall back on the issue of racism and voter suppression. Lulek is demanding that the court force the state officials to release the data that uh, they used in uh, in making the claim about the 100,000 or the 95,000 voters that may not be citizens. They want that, that, that information, that data, they want it released so that they can look at it and then analyze it. They claim that Paxton's announcement is a method of voter suppression and that it's meant to fill in, um, to instill fear in, in Hispanic voters. Well, I'm a Hispanic voter. I'm not scared. I don't know about you guys. I'm not scared. <clears throat> LULAC and um, their uh, their chief counsel, their, their general counsel, Luis Vera, uh, made similar allegations whenever they uh, started. They opposed the voter ID laws. Uh, LULAC and the Hispanic Democrats, the, you know, to me, they seem to fear having to verify eligibility to vote. It's just it, it's very, very interesting. I mean, you know, how many fraudulent votes are acceptable? To Lulac and the Democrats, one or ninety-five thousand, or just how many? You know, I'm I'm very, very curious. Please give me a figure on that. Uh, Veda has accused the Republicans, of course, of uh, minority voter suppression. He says he he is quoted as saying, "That's all they're doing. They've done it in Florida. They've done it in Arizona and in other states. It's voter intimidation, voter threats." 
of course, whenever when you know, like I said before, whenever liberals want to uh, uh, issue an emotional challenge against logic and facts, they always claim that it's racism and victimization. Vera goes on to say uh, that uh, the people are are already calling him. They're calling the elections office and they're calling him and asking how they can be taken off the voter rolls. Well, you know, a, a very, very interesting qu- a, a question and very co- interesting comment on that. Perhaps, perhaps, does it occur to Veta that these people don't uh, belong on the uh, voter, roll, voter rolls and uh, they are afraid of being caught in voter fraud? Perhaps that's why they're calling and asking to be taken off the uh, of the voter rolls, you know, uh, perhaps it's not voter intimidation and voter uh, and, and voter uh, suppression. Perhaps it's them jumping the boat before they get caught. You know, many par- persons claim uh, this is another interesting point because many persons claim that Lulek uh, as a national organization, uh, that they have shrunk in their membership and prestige and credibility among Hispanics. Uh, in recent years because they have moved so far to the left. Uh, I guarantee, I mean, my grandparents, my grandparents, my father, um, they back in the 40s, back in the uh, uh, 30s, they were, uh, they were involved uh, in, in, in LULAC. They were very big supporters of LULAC. But now the membership has shrunk. It's, uh, it's diminished. Uh, and it's, again, it, I, my opinion... My opinion, it's directly related to them having moved so far to the left that they've lost uh, contact with the Hispanic community, with the Hispanic culture. Ironically, this is what I find very ironic, that LULAC holds national, an, an annual national convention at which time their membership uh, at large, uh, they, they elect organizational leaders every year. You know, however... They must provide, the membership must provide verification that they are members of LULAC, that they are eligible to vote as members of LULAC. Now, given that position, given that requirement, isn't LULAC suppressing votes by demanding verification? You know, if anyone, everyone is being asked to verify eligibility to vote uh, what's the discrimination in that? If, if, it's, if, if those same requirements are for everyone. Honest and fair elections are, are a tyrant's worst nightmare, my friends. They really, really are a tyrant's worst nightmare. Fear is their method to keep people in line. And they, they sow this fear that somehow, you know, the big boogeyman is going to get you, that, uh, that you're going to uh, end up being sidelined. When in reality, if you have the verification, if you have the re- the the if you've got the proper information, if you've got the proper verification, the proper ID, you can vote. You can vote, and there's no way that you can tell me that uh, that that uh, you can't get it because you know I've got uh, all of my siblings are elderly. All of my siblings are elderly, and um, they have they have their identification. Uh, you know, family members helped them to go get the uh, renewal of their uh, state license, their state ID. Um, they've got it. If they can get it, my friends, others can do it. You know, it, it just, you know, there, there's got to be a way that a person can verify, can get the proper ID. On the other hand, if you have no business voting, if you're not a citizen, then, uh, you know, that's the problem. How is it, my friends, how the heck is it that we, you know, should allow non-citizens, people who are not residents, to vote? If an organization, if a club lets anybody from the street comes in, come in and vote, isn't that, uh, isn't that the same thing that we are doing, that we are allowing, that uh, opening it up to anyone and everyone? The second thing that needs to be looked at, my friends, in this, in this whole issue is... Um, the absentee voting issue, because what has happened quite often is not only do people use false identification, they use false identification on behalf of, of people who cannot get to the polls through voter, uh, through what, what they call absentee ballots. This is the way it works. Very, very simple. 
you go to a nursing home. That's the classic way. You go to a nursing home where people uh, are registered to vote and you gather their information as voters, their voter information. You use it. Either the person uses it or the person uh, distributes it to somebody else. And then those people vote absentee as and and in the name of those people uh, in the nursing home. And quite often, I don't know, you know, I mean, uh, quite often, lots of folks in the nursing home who are already suffering from various levels of dementia, they don't even know what day it is, let alone that it's an election day. So that's quite common. That is very, very common. And as the uh, as we get older, as the baby boomers and as that segment of the population uh, grows, my friends, that uh, whole idea of, of absentee ballot harvesting continues to to uh, to escalate. We've got to do something about that. We want everyone, everyone who is a citizen who is eligible to vote should be allowed to vote. Not a problem. I have no problem with that. However, there's got to be a way to verify that the people are eligible, that you are who you are, and that you are eligible, my friend. Uh, let, me, let me close this segment with this story. And this is true. It, it's very, very, it, it has angered me for a long, long time, but, you know, this is the fact. My mom, my mother, uh, passed away in 1989, okay? Uh, excuse me, in 19, uh, 1988, early in 1988. And um, she uh, had been a loyal citizen. A, 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 she was a citizen, and she had been a loyal, a loyal party uh, or political activist for a long, long, long time. And, uh, of course, because she, you know, she had her, voter registration and uh, she was registered to vote, et cetera, et cetera. Somehow, somehow, two months after she had passed away, she passed away in the summer. And of course, 1988, you've got uh, an election coming up. Somehow, uh, about a month or two months after her, her death, my sister got a call. My elderly sister got a call from someone wanting to buy my mother's social security number and voter registration number. Wanting to buy it. Didn't identify themselves. They just threw it out there and asked. First of all, how the heck did they know that my mother had passed away? Well, because it was, there was an obituary. Secondly, how did they know that my mother had, um, uh, had a voter registration or was vote, uh, registered to vote? Well, because they could take that information, go down to the, uh, uh, go down to the local, go down to the city hall and get a list of uh, folks who vote. And, um, you know, that's, you know, every party, every political party, precinct chairmen, they all have access to that information so that they can go out and politic. Well, you know, apparently somebody wanted to do that. And they wanted to get my mother. Now, what's very, very interesting about that was that uh, this was, since this was 1988, um, I would venture to say that we were one of the very few, my family was one of the very, very few Hispanics that lived in that, um, in, in that uh, neighborhood up here on the north side at that point. And uh, somehow they zeroed in on her. I found that to be very, very interesting. My friends, we're going to go ahead and uh, take a break. Uh, this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of Texas. Want to remind everybody? Want to remind everybody that um, we've got uh, there. There is an, a um, uh, that I'm having that I have a speaking engagement coming up uh, on Monday, the fourth, um, at the uh, tech, at the San Antonio's A and M Club. Their Monday luncheon at Aggie Park, 6205 West Avenue. Come on by. You know, that's at the uh, A&M Club. Bring your Aggie friends. Aggie Park, 6205 West Avenue at 11 o'clock. Let's uh, go ahead and go to our break, my friends. George Rodriguez talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on KLUP 930 AM. The Answer. Okay, folks, one of the things that uh, has that I've been asked on about, should I say, one of the things that I've been asked about 
is uh, speaking engagements. If anybody's out, anybody out there that's interested in uh, in inviting me to come to uh, speak at uh, their organization, their group, uh, you know, luncheon and dinner, whatever, uh, please feel free to contact me at El Conservador uh, .net or in or on through my Facebook uh, instant message, uh, George Rodriguez El Conservador. Uh, and I'll be glad to get back to you for it. Um, also, uh, once again, you know, let me remind everyone that um, uh, my book, uh, El Conservador Conservative Opinions, is uh, is available on Amazon.com. Uh, we talk about it talks about illegal immigration, of course, as well as fake news and race relations. And finally, 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 my friends, uh, I want to invite you all to uh, go to my website, ElConservador.net, uh, as well as uh, El Conservador, uh, uh, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, both on Twitter, on Facebook, and, uh, you know, the website. You can also go there, too. Like I said, uh, ElConservador.net on the website. Thank you very much, my friends, for uh, your support and for all the, um, all the encouragement that you've been giving me on this, uh, on, on, uh, this maiden voyage of, a, of our program. Uh, I hope that you are sharing it with your friends uh, it is also uh, the uh, it's all the, it's also uh, available as a podcast at the KLUP 9:30 a.m. Uh, radio website. So uh, please feel free to go there. So uh, we're going to take a quick break and we're going to go to SRN News and we'll be back after the break. Well, stay with us. Hi, folks. We're uh, back. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. Let's go to an uh, update of our immigration news. And um, one of the curious things, this is very, very funny. I mean, I find it, I find it amusing and I find it, I find it very, very uh, startling that uh, the Democrats uh, have uh, hit on a new uh, uh, conversation piece, or, or should I say a new talking point. Uh, a new talking point regarding immigration. They're claiming that um, that Trump and uh, the government policy should be based on experts, on what experts are saying. They love to throw that word around, expert. Uh, they do that whenever they're talking about uh, experts for health care. They talk about that when they're talking about uh, experts for education. Ultimately, in my book, uh, when you're talking about, uh, when Democrats start talking about an expert, they're talking about, uh, somebody that uh, in that given industry that they get paid for and they get lobbied for by. So at any rate, uh, they're saying that uh, that uh, uh, po- government policy should be based on what ed- experts on immigration uh, are saying. Well, let's let's pause to look. Let's analyze this, my friends. Aren't ICE and Border Patrol agents experts? I mean, who's more of an expert than the people that are right there on the front lines? What about those of us, those of us that have been raised, born and raised on the border and have been affected directly by illegal immigration? What about, are we experts? You know, what, what, uh, what about the things that we say? Furthermore, what about the voters? What about the voters and what they, uh, you know, and what they say as far as what public policy should be? Shouldn't voters set public policy on immigration instead of experts? You know, in a government of the people, by the people, for the people, the citizens, the, the voters should be the ones that direct and imp- they're the ones that should be, they're the ones that should establish public policy, not the courts, not the experts, not the polls, and certainly not the media. It should be established by the voters. What's the point of voting? What's the point of, of citizens participating in government by voting if the government is going to turn around and do whatever it wants? <laughs> I mean, you know, doesn't that kind of remind you of, uh, of governments like in, uh, in the Soviet Union or in Venezuela or something like that? You know, government should do what the voters want. That's who sets the public policy. And, uh, and, and if you want experts, you've got experts like the ICE Agents and the Border Patrol agents. So you know, I, I found that very, very, very interesting. And another uh, news item, another very, very interesting news item. Uh, this one coming out of New York, uh, reported again by um, by uh, a small 
news outlet up there in New York and picked up by uh, Fox News. But accordingly, according to this, ICE agents uh, last Tuesday announced that they had arrested 118 illegal aliens in New York in a five-day uh, raid uh, in January. More than, more than 107 of them uh, were convicted criminals and had, pending, and had charges pending against them. Uh, in the process, the, uh, the agency, ICE, uh, criticized the local politicians for protecting them and endangering the public. The a- agency has said uh, ICE has faced calls for abolition, uh, for being abolished by um, these left-wing politicians uh, and a number of uh, Democrat uh, presidential hopefuls in 2020. And uh, they announced that 55 of these illegal aliens that had been arrested had uh, either been issued a deportation order but weren't deported or uh, had previously been removed. They had been deported and returned illegally. 55 of them, 55 of the uh, 118 that they picked up. The statement said that several had prior convictions uh, for offenses such as, now get this, such as child sex crime, Weapons and weapons charges and assault. That's the kind of crime that they had committed. It uh, it gave a number of examples. They gave a, n- a number of examples of those arrests, including a 44 year old uh, Ecuadorian uh, living in Brooklyn who had uh, previously been convicted of attempted sexual abuse of two girls under the age of eight. Under the age of eight, also in Brooklyn. Uh, a 30-year-old Guatemalan, uh, previously deported, was nabbed uh, with prior convictions for harassment uh, and public lewdness. You know, uh, it's amazing, my friends. Uh, both New York City Mayor Bill de Blasio, you know, and uh, good old Gover- New York Governor Cuomo uh, have continued to criticize ICE. After a, uh, a, an ICE raid last year, Cuomo said that he was sending a cease and desist letter to ICE, and he threatened to sue the agency if such raids continue. Oh, gosh. I, you, you can't make this up. You cannot make this up. Uh, also in another item, also in another item, illegal aliens, uh, guess what, are skipping their court dates. How about that? Geez, that's a surprise. Uh, U.S. immigration courts have hit a new crisis point with nearly half of the illegal aliens that are that uh, are, are are picked up uh, and and uh, asked to appear in court, half of them are roaming the country and failing to show up to legal hearings, and it's resulting in a massive number of de- deportation orders uh, that are that are piling up. The court system said that uh, in in 2017, 43 percent of the illegal aliens. Uh, freed pending hearings. These are people that what, what they call catch and release. Forty-three percent of them disappeared into the country and never showed up uh, to be uh, for for the scheduled follow-up hearings. They just disappeared. Jeez, what a thought! Um, that means forty-one thousand aliens out of ninety-five thousand never showed up for their court dates. Never showed up for their court. Forty-one thousand, at least. At least among those uh, under 18 allowed into this country, 49 percent. Now, these are these are 18 year old, uh, 18 year olds and under. These would would be the ones that we classify as minors. These are the the children, so to speak. Forty nine percent of them failed to show up. And it's been it has been the worst. Uh, it has been worse with the court skip outs reaching 59 percent. Uh, since they since they had reached fifty nine percent in two thousand five and two thousand six, and if you call in two thousand five two thousand six, there were lots of deportations going on because it was right after nine eleven, and there was a real effort to get rid of uh, folks that were here illegally under the Bush administration. A real effort to get rid of them because you know we didn't know who they were, we didn't know why they were here, and they were you know in the process of picking all these people up they uh you know they were picking up a lot of folks who had who uh were these latino uh illegal aliens that had uh, committed crimes well you know 59% well now we've hit 49% for the just for the minors just for the minors 
We have a problem, my friends. We have a real problem in the United States, and we've got to close that loop. Continuing, continuing. The media, the media, the liberal media is saying that Republicans are on the verge of backing off on the wall. Now, this uh, comes from uh, the Tampa Bay, uh, a Tampa Bay newspaper, as well as uh, it's being picked up by the, uh, or, or it's coming from the Associated Press. Now, we've got to take it with a grain of salt, but at the same time, we've got to see how the, uh, I want you to notice how the media spins uh, the news as well as, you know, how it causes a lot of Republicans, and I know it does, it causes a lot of Republicans to get cold feet, okay, to get scared. According to this report, um, Republicans are wary of reigniting a clash that proved damaging, according to them, that proved damaging to the Republicans and to congressional GOP leaders. Um, and so they want to de-escalate the battle over the president's uh, demand for a border wall. And they uh, are suggesting that they could be more flexible as bargainers in seeking a bipartisan agreement. In what seems to be a message aimed at the White House, uh, Mitch McConnell, the Senate uh, Majority Leader, the Republican uh, Senate Majority Leader, criticized two, the two confrontational tactics that uh, President Trump has threatened to, to employ uh, if negotiating can't be, um, if negotiations can't, can't come true on uh, the border security. Uh, it, it just, you know, again, why are you showing weakness? I don't understand. This is what he says. He says, I'm for whatever works that would prevent the level of dysfunction we have seen on full display uh, here in the last month uh, and also doesn't bring about the view uh, on the president's part that he needs uh, to declare uh, a national emergency. Well, let, let me explain to, to, to Mitch McConnell as well as to all other folks who are out there that don't seem to understand what a constitutional government is all about, okay? A national government, let me, let me pro, pro, pose it this way, a national government that is effective, a national government that pushes its will, that is a national government that's a tyranny. The reason, the reason that we have a constitutional republic representative government that starts at the grassroots is because we at the grassroots are the ones, the states, the people in the states are the ones that are supposed to be the ones that uh, operate and, and, uh, and govern. We are the ones that do it, not the folks in Washington. The folks in Washington simply represent us. They are not supposed, you know, once you've got the idea that somehow Washington is supposed to do stuff for you, you're in trouble. You're getting in trouble. We at the local level are the ones that are supposed to do stuff. We are the ones that are supposed to address the issue. And if it, if it, uh, if what we in San Antonio, if what we in Texas, if it goes against what people in California or New York want, well, that's okay. That's all right. If a person, my friends, if a person wants to, uh, wants to abide by, by California laws, by California lifestyles, they can always move to California. Oh, that sounds terrible. No, 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 but that's a reality. That's okay. That's okay. We've got lots of Californians moving to Texas because they want our lifestyle. They want our, 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 our Texas values, so to speak. You know, that's all right. There's nothing wrong with it. That's why it was designed the way it was, so that people could have mobility, so that people could go and come and stay and live wherever they felt the most comfortable. I'm, I, you know, that's the reality. And when you've got all of a sudden somebody saying, well, the government, the federal government, we have got to do everything that, that you know, the whole nation has got to do uh, the same thing. We've got to be in lockstep. I worry about that. I worry about it. I don't want to be in lockstep with somebody in Michigan. I'm sorry. I don't want to be in lockstep with somebody in, in New York or in Boston. I, I don't. I mean, I, I'm very happy with my lifestyle, with my taxes, with, with what I've got. So my, my, my message to Mitch McConnell and the Republicans, first of all, you know, get a backbone. Get a backbone. You know, we have a national emergency. We have a national emergency. Come down here and look at it. 
stand up, protect the United States, protect the sovereignty of the nation. That is the one national uh, role that you have. And then secondly, please, please, please don't try to make us all the, the same vanilla. The states, let the states take care of, of themselves. So, uh, okay, let's go to one more. Very, very interesting. This one, yeah, my friends, my, the, I, I have been watching this for a while. I have been watching this issue for a while, and it seems to really be really popping up. So, you know, brace yourselves. Brace yourselves because this is a critical and, and dangerous uh, uh, item that uh, is resulting from illegal immigration. There is a measles outbreak. Uh, 35 cases that have been confirmed in Clark County, Washington. This, according, this is being reported by uh, from Tacoma uh, as of last Tuesday, uh, January 29th. Uh, 35 confirmed cases of measles. Now, people may remember how a couple, uh, how a couple of weeks ago, up in uh, up in uh, Yakima, uh, in Washington, they had a record number of homicides of homicides in both the city and the county, and when the local press, when, particularly the, the alternative press, the conservative press, when they asked the sheriff in Yakima, uh, he said that it was, he, he, you know, he said he was looking for a common link uh, on, the, uh, on all these crimes that were being committed. Again, a record number of homicides, both in the city and, the com- and, and then the county. Uh, the sheriff um, uh, went on to, uh, to ask how many, uh, or it was asked of the sheriff how many of the perpetrators and victims were illegal aliens. Of course, he said, no, I don't know. I don't know. However, however, contacts in Yakima came back, uh, folks, folks on the ground, folks there, came back and said that they widely believed that the high number of murders was because of gang and drug activity related to illegal aliens. Related to illegal aliens, and it frustrated a lot of folks who could see the common thread, but that the news and the politicians were avoiding saying anything like that because of political correctness. And that, and now that, you know, I want to preface that that's that comment uh, or that information because we're talking about the impact and the effects of illegal immigration. Okay, there you have this this. Uh, uh, this crime wave that's happening in 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 uh, Yakima, and no one wants to say what it's really what the really root causes are. Why? Because of political rec- correctness. Well, okay. So let's uh, let, let's let's go back. Let's go back now to uh, our discussion about measles. Back in July of 2016, the New York Times, of all places, of all uh, media sources, the New York Times ran an article that talked about the largest measles outbreak measles outbreak in the country for years that had occurred at a detention center in Arizona measles measles the largest outbreak in the country for years at a detention center in Arizona the fact of the matter is that a lot of folks come into the country my friends illegally and they're not vaccinated for for measles nor are they checked for any other diseases nor are they checked for any other diseases. There are large numbers of illegal uh, aliens in, in, in the Hispanic community and in public institutions like public schools where they haven't been vaccinated and nobody has said anything. And particularly now, nobody, you know, some, in some cases, uh, the, um, the school districts don't want to ask or demand it because of uh, religious uh, because of religious issues. This latest measles outbreak up in uh, Vancouver uh, uh, in, happened in a, in a uh, specifically happened in a church in Vancouver, Washington. And um, it's got, uh, apparently it's got a large Russian population. <laughs> so it's not just, you know, Juan and Juan and Maria that are, that are bringing in the measles. Apparently it's uh it's Ivan and, uh, and, and Olga who are bringing it in as well. Nobody knows the immigration status of the boy uh, who is patient zero and his parents. Nobody knows their status. <laughs> Why? Because Washington has been declared a sanctuary state. And nobody's going to ask that question. 
I, I, do you see the problem, my friends? Do you see the problem? You know, there's a vacuum of knowledge here, my friends. There's a vacuum of knowledge. And uh, we, have, we have become so politically correct that we can't ask pertinent and, imp- and, and, and important questions. We can't ask pertinent and important questions. My niece, I love to tell this story. My niece, uh, a couple of years ago, was uh, rear-ended uh, right here on the freeway, right here by, by the studio. Uh, and the person that did it uh, didn't have a license. Uh, the car had not been inspected. It had no insurance, of course. Uh, and immediately made a run for it. Just left the car there. Obviously, to us, the person was an illegal alien. You know? But the police couldn't ask that. The police couldn't say that. And we're supposed to be, we, you know, San Antonio is uh, supposedly not a sanctuary city. <laughs> but, but they couldn't ask, they couldn't say that. You know, these things, uh, particularly when it comes to, to uh, the issue of illnesses, my friends, this is really dangerous for us. This is really, really dangerous for us. When people used to get, a, I, don't, I don't know how many of you have seen the scene uh, from The Godfather 2. Uh, where little little uh, Corleone, the little Corleone kid, is coming from Italy, and he is inspected, and he is, you know, they checked him for lice and, and whatnot, and he was an unaccompanied minor; he was all by himself, and so he's, um, you know, he's checked. They checked him, and they held him up. You know why? As you recall in the movie, they held him up because he was he had TB, and they had to check him out, and they held him up. Nothing like that is happening in today's in today's America. They're not, you know, like I said before, like I, I, I like we read a few moments ago. They're not even showing up for the court date. So, so where are these people? Who are these people? And what condition? What is their condition of their health? This is this is really really dangerous for us, my friends. Just another these, particularly if they are young people, that are ending up in our public school system. Do you want your kid sitting next to another kid and heaven knows what they're carrying? You know, your kid has been vaccinated. Your kid has, uh, uh, is, has all the proper uh, doctors, uh, uh, medicines and everything else. And the kid next to him doesn't. Not only that, not only that, here's another interesting item, is that in some cases the viral strains that are being brought in are not the kind of viral strains that our medication is prepared to fight. You know, it's not. So uh, again, that is another issue, my friends. It's another issue that we're looking at. We've got to, my friends, we've got to get a, we've got to get a grip on reality and we've got to understand that illegal immigration is, is, uh, is causing our nation, our society so much and in so many ways that we need to address it. We need to address uh, illegal immigration. We need to stop it if possible. And even if it's only one or two people, that's one or two people too many that are coming in illegally, we should have zero. That's what we should do. And again, the news media says, well, it's because of the, the, the uh, zero tolerance that we've got that, that's causing the problem. My friends, this is, is a major issue. The condition of health, uh, the health condition of, of folks coming in illegally that we have no idea what they're all about. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio. Thank you for, for being with us today. Let me remind everybody once again, let me remind everybody that um, you can follow us or you can follow me. <laughs> yes, I've got a dual personality. I'm sorry. Um, you can, you, you can uh, follow me on my website at elconservador.net uh, or you can go to Facebook, Facebook and Twitter and uh, you can look up El Conservador and uh, there you'll see me. I'm in there, George Rodriguez, El Conservador. And uh, you can follow my, my daily rampings, my daily commentary, comments, Facebook and Twitter. Also, my friends, I want to invite you to uh, purchase my book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions. It's available on Amazon.com. And finally, finally, let me invite you to um, 
well, let me, let me, you know, let you know if you want, you're interested in inviting me in inviting me to speak to your group, to your club, to your organization, please, please, please feel free uh, to contact me uh, through instant message at, uh, on Facebook or on, uh, uh, on Twitter, either one. Uh, I'm, I'm there. And uh, again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, uh, please feel free to invite me. So my friends, thank you very, very much. Uh, I hope that you will uh, share our program with other folks. I hope that you will, uh, more than anything else, I hope that you will continue to support us. We need your help. I am one uh, uh, of the few. I am one of very, very few conservative, constitutional conservative Americans of Mexican descent that uh, is uh, in the media. And I would certainly appreciate any support, any help that you can give us. Let me invite uh, everyone to uh, my next speaking engagement on Monday, February 4th at uh, the San Antonio A&M Club, their Monday luncheon at Aggie Park, 6205 West Avenue. Uh, the event starts at 11 o'clock, and I would hope that uh, you would uh, – I, I hope to see uh, some of my friends there. The uh, we're, I'll be speaking specifically um, uh, about um, – uh, immigration and race relations and fake news. I mean, it's all it, it's all in one uh, it, it's all in one ball of wax. And um, again, if uh, if you've got time on Monday, February fourth, come join us at Aggie Park, uh, sixty two hundred five West Avenue, the uh, San Antonio A and M Club Monday Luncheon. And uh, I'd love to to see you there. I'll have uh, some books there to sign. And uh, I'll have, uh, you know, I've got, uh, I would love to, uh, to uh, have you come by and chat with you, introduce myself, introduce yourself, or, you know, uh, if you're an old friend, come on by. I'd love to see you. So uh, tell all your Aggie friends. I really, really uh, am hoping that uh, uh, you can tell all my Aggie friends will show up to this. Uh, tell, uh, you know, everybody, February 4th, Monday, February 4th at 11 o'clock at Aggie Park, 6205 West Avenue. Come join us. Until next time, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM. Join us. Uh, tell your friends. You can also go uh, to the KLUP uh, website and uh, pull down, uh, listen to the podcast on uh, after the show. If you're, if you're not located in the uh, immediate San Antonio, Texas listening area, uh, you can always go there and you can listen to the show. I uh, hope that you'll join us. Thank you very much. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.